morning, Pyle. Thanks for joining us, Jim, along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. This hour brought to you by Preston Lee, a country financial, believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat with him and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. All right, so wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. You can win a bottle of Talon Wine today if you got something you need to get off your chest. Text or call us. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line 970-242-1340. Coming up back after this hour, we'll talk with Connor McGahee, the radio voice of the Avalanche. Uh, we'll dive into the McCarr situation a little more with Connor coming up after a bit. But uh, right now, to start out the 8 o'clock hour, it's time to talk some Montrose Redhawks boys basketball with Coach Ryan Volringer. Get in the huddle with Montrose boys basketball coach Ryan Volringer on the team. And Ryan Volringer brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Red Hawks take on Harrison tonight to open up the 5A State Boys Basketball Tournament. Ryan Volringer joins us. Good morning, Ryan. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the coverage as always, man. You guys do a great job down there. Well, well, thank you. And well, Larry and, and Pat, we uh, we give them a big tip of the cap. They do a great job covering you guys yeah. uh, with the Highway 50 game of the week. Of course, you guys have Harrison tonight. But let's let's talk a little bit about the finish of the season for your basketball team, where uh, you had that uh, that tough loss uh, falling to Durango to to wrap up the regular season, fifty three fifty one. You came off the win against uh, a good Grand Junction team. Didn't make the playoffs. The Tigers uh, failed to make it, but uh, still uh, a good basketball team that you're able to to beat fifty four forty seven. Then uh, had that loss to Alamosa. So for your your basketball team, you know you, you you lose two out of your last three going in. But I think some some competitive basketball games. Where do you feel like your team is right now heading into this opener with Harrison in the five A state tournament? Well, obviously you don't want to drop two year last three. Alamos is very good. I believe they're a top four seed in four A, and then we travel down and play Durango at their place on senior night. Credit Coach Batiste and Durango. They played really well. We didn't shoot it well, and Durango shot the ball really well. We had a couple chances late, and just shots didn't drop, and we didn't defend the way we needed to. But it's a one game season now, and we're looking forward to the opportunity tonight against Harrison. And we like the opportunity of them having to travel four hours over the mountain to play at our place, which is a benefit to us. So. Yeah, that's always great when they have to come over to this side of the hill, <laughs> Ryan, and have to, to make that long yeah. trip, and it's not the other way around. Uh, our guys are used to it, and, and they're certainly not. Uh, your team, over the years, of course, made it to all the way a few years ago to the, the state championship game. The kids in your program have gone through a lot of success. You, you've built a really great reputation with the Montrose Red Ox, your success on the hardwood. And so your kids kind of know what to expect when the postseason rolls around. There's an expectation that Montrose basketball will make a deep run in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, that's our goal. I mean, we kind of built that culture of, you know, we're kind of a hard-nosed team, grind it out. You know, we're not going to score 60-70 a night. We're going to win on the defensive end. We're going to have our hands full tonight. Harrison's extremely fast, very long, athletic, very well coached. I believe they've won 11 of the last 13, and those two losses are to Mesa Ridge. He's the number two seed, 23-0. and 0. So we'll have our hands full. We're going to try to slow it down and take care of the basketball because they got some really good athletes. Yeah, led by Kenneth Jones. He's averaging almost 16 points per game. Uh, just under six rebounds per contest. He's a really good distributor. He's averaging almost almost uh, five and a half assists per game, Ryan. Uh, Kenneth Jones, pretty dynamic player, a guy that really impacts the game in a lot of different ways. Yeah, we've we've saw him on film. He's kind of a stockier point guard, but he can play inside. He can play out. Like you said, distributes well, shoots it well. And they got two kids on the wings that are about six four apiece that play about a foot above the rim. It looks like in film, and they got some athletes. And like I said, well coached and cause chaos on the defensive end. So our number one goal is we have to take care of the ball because if we turn the ball over tonight, it's, it might be a long night for us. Jamison Taylor's a guy that's in double digits for them as well in terms of scoring. And just looking at it from a three-point shooting standpoint, you know they've they've made on the season ninety threes, but doesn't look like that's kind of the that doesn't really like the focal point of their game, Ryan. Shooting the three ball. No, it's not. They want to pressure you and get out and run on the offensive end and cause turnovers on the defensive end and get to the bucket. They do a great job of spreading spreading the floor out, and they don't really have a back to the bucket guy. Everyone kind of plays a perimeter and gets to the rim, but. You know they've made ninety threes, so you got you got to be aware of it. They got a couple kids that can knock it down if you leave them open. They don't really have a weak spot on the defensive end that you can kind of help off. So I mean they got five weapons on the court at all times. So they're 
you know, everyone in this time of year is good, Jim, so you got to bring your A game, or it's, it's like I said, it's a one-game season. Absolutely. Red Hawks boys basketball coach Ryan Voringer joining us today. Montrose taking on Harrison tonight. And when you talk about what they do defensively, what's their, what their, what do their half court defensive sets look like, Ryan? Do, what are they, they try to trap the half court, full court pressure? What, what do they try to do in terms of uh, defense to disrupt uh, the opposition? Well, they do a little bit of everything. I mean, they'll change defenses every other possession, they'll play full court. You know, a 2-2-1, a 1-2-2, a 1-3-1, they'll drop back into a 2-3, and they play some matchup zone. They like they like to change things up, so my guys got to be ready for whatever they throw at us because it's, it's not like us. It's pretty much primarily man-to-man for 32 minutes. They're going to change it up on made, bu- made baskets, missed baskets. So we got you just got to be ready. You know, we've played 23 games. Hopefully they're ready to go and be ready to see different stuff because they're going to throw a lot of stuff at us. Ryan Voringer, coach of the Montrose Red Hawks boys basketball team with us, and I would think you mentioned that they don't really have a true post player. A lot of their guys just play on the perimeter. That may be a chance for Caleb Ferguson to really be impactful in this game. He he always plays a big role, but he could play an even bigger role tonight. Yeah, I mean, our main key is, is getting through their pressure, and if we can get through their pressure and get the ball inside to Caleb, I think he'll be able to score inside in the paint. But again, the, the two kids, they're not true post players, but they're big-time athlete, so he's going to have to play well down there and make some quality post moves get himself to the free-throw line and hopefully draw some fouls on some of those athletes they got and, and get us to the line and get some of those kids on the bench because it's it's hard to play hard to play against athletes that can play above the rim. So. And for your basketball team, I mean, your, your backcourt is going to have to, like you said, do a really nice job taking care of the basketball, and, you know, and, and hopefully for a guy like uh, Jacob Hawks, he gets a chance to you know get some some good looks at, at, at three point shots tonight uh, when you match up against Harrison. Yeah, I mean if we can go inside out, maybe like the double inside on Caleb, and he can knock a few down again. It's like I told Coach Skiff on his win last night. It's it sure is a lot easier when you're a coach when the ball's going through the basket. I mean if we can make some early shots and get some confidence and kind of get them out of what they're doing, I think I think we'll have have a pretty good chance. But again, we got to make shots. I mean, you know, basketball is an easy game when the ball's going through the basket. So. Well, Ryan, I appreciate the time. We'll have the game tonight. Uh, Larry Newland, Pat Hooley will have it for you over on the Monkey uh, here in the Valley, 95.7 FM. But uh, for Montrose Red Hawks fans, uh, 93.5 FM. Pre game at 645 tonight. Tip at 7 o'clock at Lloyd McMillan Gymnasium as Montrose scores off against Harrison. Ryan, appreciate it. Thanks for, for coming on this morning. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time, Jim. All right, take care. Ryan Voringer, coach of the Montrose Red Hawks boys basketball team. Montrose girls, they got the win last night. For Nomonomic girls, won last night. Central girls had a, a rough second quarter where they didn't score, but got it down to four in the um, in the fourth quarter. But, but came up short last night. Delta girls wasn't even close, beating Inglewood ninety-one to thirty-six last night. I mean, not ninety-one points in a boys' basketball game in high school is a lot, a lot of points. They scored ninety-one in a girls' game last night. Yeah, that's it's just somewhat unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming up next hour, we'll talk with uh, Jake Aguirre for the Monument Boys Basketball Coach. They have Fairview tonight to open up the 6A Basketball Tournament. And uh, just a reminder, by the way, full court coverage brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm over on 1100 KNZZ tonight. Pre-game at 545. Greg Wentz will be at it. Fruta for the Fruta Boys in Fairview. You're going to be uh, Buckeye over mm-hmm. at Central for their uh, their matchup with Palmer tonight. Yep. And, of course, we'll have the Montrose boys and Harrison over on the monkey tonight. Uh, don't want to leave uh, Rob Ames and Delta out. They're playing at Kent Denver in the 4A state tournament. Uh, the Panthers getting that last seed into the 4A state mm-hmm. tournament. And uh, Mark Cantor will have that. Uh, and you can listen to it by going to 957themonkey.com. Click on the Highway 50 Game of the Week link. And our link uh, is there for Mark's stream. And he'll have that one tonight. All right, it's time to go around the NFL. And according to Mike Kliss, Nine News, Broncos' unofficial mouthpiece, that the Broncos love defensive lineman Draymond Jones, but they don't love the idea of putting the franchise tag on him. That uh, the Broncos are unlikely to place a tag on Jones until the March 7th deadline, but even then, they may not do it because of the high price of the tags. And so, right now, the Broncos don't love the tag of $18.94 million for for Draymond Jones at this point in time. That's for defensive tackles. Defensive ends at $19.73 million. 
and Jones has played played both in his mm-hmm. career. If I'm Draymond Jones, I'm lobbying for the defensive end. I'm a, I'm a DN. Come on. I'm defensive end. But that makes sense. I mean, who would want to... I mean, Draymond Jones has played really well. Is he franchise tag worthy, though? Because you get, what, one tag per team. Is he really franchise tag worthy? And then you might have to do it again next year. If you do it this year, it's one thing. If you do it next year, you sign him to maybe a one-year then franchise tag him, it'll be you won't have that bump, right? If you do it this year, you do it next year, he gets a 20% pay raise. <laughs> so you may have to swallow it this year or sign him to a one-year deal and see what goes on there. But I don't know if he's of franchise the, tag worthy. Of the other guys that are free agents, he's the only one that's really Is franchise he the only one? He, He's the only because here's your Okay, here's your names. Calvin Anderson. No. Billy Turner. <laughs> no. Tom Compton. Who? Kareem Jackson. No. Not the, the money they're going to have get, to pay no, on Getting, the tag. getting no. too long in the tooth as well. Mike Boone. <laughs> no. Dalton Reisner. No. 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 Eric Tomlinson. No. Oh. Cam Fleming. No. So Andrew, pretty much all of your tackles not named Yeah, Cowboys. exactly. Andrew Beck. No. Eric Sobert, no. Deshaun Williams, no. Latavius Murray, no. Alex Singleton, no. Probably not. Not for the money you're going to have to pay him. You can find a guy that gets you 100 tackles. Yeah. Would Denver like him back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the Eagles didn't want him. Then uh, I I just, yeah, if you're Denver, he's not worth franchise tag. No. The Eagles got rid of him, and their defense turned out to be all right. Yeah, they got to the Super Bowl. They were okay. Their defense is... Uh, top 10 defense. It was okay in the long run, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Darius Phillips. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Marlon Mack. Oh, this one. This is the one you're going to sell. Got to, got to do it for this guy. You know I'm going to I'm going to mention here. Your guy. Brett Rippin. My boy Brett, yeah. Franchise, franchise tag, tag him. tag him. You're going to need him. No. For at least no. two or three games this coming year. <laughs> no. He might be your Taysom Hill guy too. Coach Bre- falls in love with him, plays Bre- him over. Really? The you see that? You see that? Brett Rippin. Wow. Hey, Ayatollah of rum and cola. Yeah. You've been having too many of those, and you've been. If, I you've wish. Seen, if you think the Brett Rippin is Taysom Hill, I wish I had too many of those Whew. on a Wednesday morning. Dakota Allen, PJ Locke, he's saying Bassey, Jonas Griffith. Boy, his stock has dropped, hasn't it? Remember Griffith? Hey, it's it's a good pickup from the for the Niners. Look, yeah, he's going to be a big help uh, next year. He's okay. Alex Singleton has something. To say. He's he's okay. Corliss Waitman, Jacob Bobbenmeyer Moyer, the uh, the long snapper. So I list. dare I dare George Payton to franchise <laughs> tag the long snapper. It would be hilarious. Yes, it would. So on that list, let's be honest, the only guy that's worthy of a franchise tag is Draymond Jones. Is Draymond Jones. Remember, though, he wasn't very happy with the fact that he got a contract and not happy with the direction the team was going. He's going to be thrilled with the franchise tag then. But he should yeah. be happier with the direction, you'd think. You would think. you think that things have He knew before everybody else with Nathaniel Hackett. Right. But what does it say if Denver's not interested in franchise tagging him that they they do value him they do feel like he's an impactful player he is a rising star on the defensive front but he's not Aaron Donald no but it also kind of blows out of the water the whole they have Walmart money they're going to be willing to spend yeah that's one thing on coaches player you are still limited though Come on, you're limited in what you can spend on players. That that does that doesn't change whether you have Walmart money or not. That doesn't change. Pay a coach, sure. But but it does it doesn't change how much money you have in terms of what what you can pay players and well, what you what you have available to you. So devil's advocate on that. Are they gonna be able to find somebody to Copy his production in the draft or free agency. Free agency, you're probably going to have to 
pony up to get somebody to come and play uh-huh. interior aren't defensive you, aren't, aren't line. You, aren't you funny? On a 5-12 and 12 team, right? You're going to have to pay a little bit more maybe than market rate for some guy like that. In the draft, you're going to have to wait until day two or day three. And, yeah, Draymond Jones, what, a third-round pick? He turned yeah. out to be all right. Third, really got really good value for a third-round pick. But how often does that happen interior defensive line? It might be in their best interest to franchise tag him while they continue to try to work out a long-term deal. It's probably the best way to go. They, they, probably, they, they shouldn't be resistant to it. Because when you look at the numbers for for Draymond Jones as this past during his career, this past season, I should say, just this past season, forty two tackles, six and a half sacks in thirteen games. In his four years with the Broncos, one hundred twenty four tackles, twenty two sacks, six pass deflections, two career interceptions. He's clearly your best defensive lineman, and it's not even up for debate. No, it's not. He one hundred percent. You're right. And you may not want to pay the price for Draymond Jones, but mm-hmm. but who's out there? I, I know uh, what Mile High Huddle mentioned, David Onyemata from the Saints. You know, Sean Payton, Ty. Are we doing this again? We did this with George Payton with yeah. bringing in every free agent Viking that he could yeah. think of. The, Are we going to now do that with the Saints? Zach Allen with the Cardinals. Another, but neither one of these guys are Draymond Jones. No, and you're going to have to pay them kind of the same amount of money, really, as the franchise tag. So you might as well just tag Draymond Jones and worry about the hit then and work out a long-term deal that can work for both teams. Yeah, I I just think you at some point you have to appreciate what he brings to your defense, Mm -hmm. how tough he's going to be to replace, and you need... You need to start working on it, getting a deal done with him, and if that's not going to happen, you franchise tag him and, and you work your way through it, mm-hmm. and you and you bite the bullet, and if you got to pay him the nineteen million, you pay him the nineteen million. I think the problem for Draymond Jones is the last few years the Broncos have been decent at finding that interior defensive lineman, right? They had the guy that left in free agency to go to the Jags, Malik. Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. Then they replaced him with Shelby Harris. Yeah. Traded Shelby Harris, replaced him with Draymond Jones, who had a good season. That's the thing working in, against Draymond Jones right now is the fact that, yeah, well, the last two guys we were perfectly fine parting with, and we found you. So we can find you again. The, the, the difference, though, with, with Draymond Jones, and that, that could very well be the case, though, mm-hmm. is the production they received from Draymond Jones. It's no, not. I, been, I agree with it's you. It's not like this last season. He had six and a half sacks. He puts he collapses the pocket, which is what Malik Jackson did when Denver won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and that became a problem for them when Malik Jackson left the Broncos. All of a sudden, their their interior defensive line didn't generate the pressure, which was helpful for for a guy like Von Miller, right? But and so you you yeah can you can you mm-hmm. replicate it again? Possibly. What sure. I'm saying is, as a defensive end, Shelby Harris, five and a half, then one and a half. Six, two and a half. Six, and then traded to the Seahawks. So he can get in that five and a half, six sack territory. Harris did, and then replaced him essentially kind of in a similar role with Draymond Jones. And they, like I'm saying, is. Well, they didn't play together on the line, though. I mean, they were. They did for a couple years, yeah. But I'm saying is. That then they moved him into that kind of hybrid role, right? Interior defensive end. That was Harris's role. And before him, it was a little bit of Malik Jackson's role, although he was more primarily on the interior. I'm saying it works against Draymond Jones because literally Draymond Jones is the sample for replacing Draymond Jones. They had Draymond Jones 1.0 and Shelby Harris replaced him with Draymond. And they could do it again. That's what I'm saying is working against Draymond, so he shouldn't yeah. necessarily be... If he wants to stay, he shouldn't be against the franchise tag. No, he shouldn't be. And, and I, I will say this, though, to defend Draymond Jones, I think the situation is different. And Number one, guy they drafted, not necessarily this mm-hmm. regime, but but drafted by the Broncos. And a guy that is developing, he's not Aaron, I'm not trying to say he's Aaron Donald, but he's more of that ilk, upper-level, upper-tier defensive tackle 
than a, a guy like Shelby Harris, who was funny, who was really good at the J.J. Watt um, skill of batting down passes, mm-hmm. but not Draymond Jones. Doesn't impact the run game like Draymond does. It isn't the pass rusher that Draymond Jones is. And so I think there are some differences, but you're right. They, they could very well look at it and go, hey, we've we've been here before. We've been able to find production from somebody else, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, and we just don't want to pay the money. That could very well happen. Yeah, it could. And that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think his situation is unique. It's different than some of those other ones because mm-hmm. of what what he does, the skill set that he does bring to the table, and the investment. Maybe not this group, this yeah. GM and George Payton, because he... Jones he was the previous draft pick. Yeah, that there may not be the investment by George Payton and Draymond Jones, but the team did invest a draft pick. Not that that's always the thing that that they go, oh, well, we drafted this guy. We got to keep mm-hmm. him. No, but they did invest a draft pick in, in him, and he is a player that is considered a, a an up and coming player at the defensive tackle position in the league and so i'm just i'm just making the argument for both sides yeah the franchise tag is not the worst option for either because it's probably the best solution right now you know if the broncos want to replace draymond jones do they really think they're going to be able to do this for a fourth time get rid of a very productive or not bring back one or the other who's still on the right side of 30 he just turned 26 last month yeah you know, are they willing to risk again that they're going to be able to do it again? And then on Draymond's side, if you really want to stay, they've shown the ability that they can replace defensive linemen. And they're not shy about moving on from guys if they have to. So if you want to stay, franchise tag for this year might be your best option. And for the Broncos, if you want to keep him, you might want to tag him and then work out a long time, long-term deal. Exactly. All right, one final thing around the NFL this morning. Tua Tonga Viola, who's dealt with big-time concussion issues in his NFL career, he has a plan on how to maybe not take so many hits, at least his head hitting the ground anyway, through judo. Because a former U.S. Olympic judo champion, Jason Morris, I guess he he was watching, he says he was watching Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, talk with Peter King about Tua's concussion situation and the fact he keeps hitting his head on the ground. I have forever thought and wanted the NFL to employ an expert judo player coach to teach football players a little judo, which starts with learning how to fall properly. We take tons of falls every day, but we know how to naturally take the fall without hitting our heads. And so that to a tongue of Iola, according to the story for Pro Football Talk, is working with a judo instructor on how to fall properly. That he's devoting one day per week to judo training in an effort to a way to learn how to fall that doesn't result in his head striking the turf. So, is there training in judo for three hundred pound grown men chucking you around a football field? Because don't you compete in judo in a similar weight class? Very true. I, I look. I think there's some. One, va- you know what? Like I think there's some value to this. Try and whatever you need to try. Absolutely. absolutely. But I, mean, I think there's some value to it. But you make you make a really good point. We're going to teach him how to fall properly. You're well, t- <laughs> but that. But that's. But there's also how do you when you're getting hit blindside by a defensive end? Yeah. And and it happens so fast. I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not sure. Even as elite of athlete as Tua Tonga Viola is, I'm not sure how you is he trying to with a football to, in hand to matrix your body in a way that keeps your head from hitting the turf. I I'm not sure. Look, I think it's great that he's trying anything. Absolutely. And I think it's important to if this is something he feels like can be a part of his skill set, part mm-hmm. of the toolbox to protect himself. Well, I think it's great for any quarterback if there's if there you know, it's worth trying. Yeah, I just don't think this is the end-all, be-all answer to how to protect quarterbacks from a head injury now or, my, or, or any football player from a head injury. Now, my question is, do they do the training football style, right? Like high schooler fumbles, he has to carry the football around 
on campus for an entire week. Does Tua go through this judo training with a football in one hand while trying to fend off uh, judo throw masters or whatever? And because he's not going to have both hands at his disposal all the time. Exactly. And, and if he gets hit from blindside and he falls properly, that's great. But if the football also falls properly, that's not good. And I don't know what, that from the tone of the article, he's learning just basic judo mm-hmm. techniques. He's learning how to fall down properly. Exactly. And it doesn't involve holding a football or anything like that at this point in time. It's just learning the basics of how to fall correctly. Best of luck to him. I just don't, look, I'm, I think it's worth trying. I, I don't, I'm not, Trying to poop on it here? No, no. There's no dumb uh, ideas. I'm with I, you. I just, I just think that if, if you think this is an end-all, be-all solution, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Could be wrong about that. Could no, be entirely wrong. In the mean, AFC Championship game and he wins the MVP, then you know exactly what Russell Wilson is going to be doing next offseason. <laughs> He's going to be doing judo chop training. And maybe they all should. Maybe they all should maybe, learn maybe, how to fall. Maybe every quarterback should learn how to do that. Every wide receiver, every running back. Brian Greasy should have done the judo training <laughs> way back. Probably then. so. And not just hit the fetal position. Yeah. Ah, TD's dog. Oh, my gosh. Ah. Well, the game against the Chargers were. He drops back and just. Oh, yeah. On the field stuff, too. Oh, I, don't, I think it was Junior Seau was coming at him. And he just, like, boom. Well. But in his defense, I would have done the same thing. Junior Seau, I would have been like, nope. I would have done the same thing if I was Brian Greasy. All right, so text or call us. It's a one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Got something uh, you want to complain about today? Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Um, Larry from Clifton, I've had many concussions in my life. If Kale's having symptoms, I would shut him down for at least two weeks to make sure he's healthy again. Once a person gets a concussion, they become way easier to get more often little family experience with with that and so there's you know the medical science about that i'm not going to get into all that but there there seems to be a a tendency if you've had it once twice that it happens far more frequently all right appreciate hearing from you today larry text or call us today 970-242-1340 we'll take a break and we'll come back and uh, on the other side of the break here on the Jim Davis Show, we will uh, look back at what was a busy night last night in high school girls basketball. Also ahead to the Mavericks uh, on the hardwood. Just weird to play on a Wednesday night. It's like it's when so they, strange. How did this happen? It's like when uh, well, it's the whole lone wolf thing with with Western that that Mike or that uh, Mike did no it was a Taylor talked about Taylor Wagner talked about it yesterday. Well, but, that makes sense for their Tuesday night first matchup. But, but Wednesday why, at home, Thursday on yeah. the road. I don't. I don't know the answers to all that because initially the Western game was set for a Friday, and so I'm not not entirely yeah, like sure. I'm, I'm not entirely sure of of why it wasn't Friday Saturday. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I Dave Yonke, if you're listening, Dave, send out the Mav signal. Yeah, because. The people demand answers yes, because I I don't I personally I, I do not I I know that the I know the Western game from what I heard was originally scheduled for a Friday, and they moved it to a Thursday because of some scheduling conflicts. So that's all I know about that. But it's a different situation. They play tonight at Western tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. Text or call us today. It's a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. I'm the morning guy. I have a Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Or it started the high school basketball postseason last night with uh, both the Fruta Central girls uh, playing last night, along, along uh, likewise for the Montrose and Delta girls as well. And uh, for the Fruit of Monument girls, they picked up the victory last night. They uh, knocked off uh, Fossil Ridge last night out at uh, Fruit of Monument High School. Wildcat girls picking up the victory last night by the score of 59-55. to 55. And so uh, for the Fruit of Monument girls, getting ready to uh, move on to the next round of the, uh, the 6A basketball tournament. And after the game, uh, Tyler Franson had the chance to talk 
with the head coach of the Fruit of Monument Girls, Jeff Johnson. Here's that conversation. Get in the huddle with Fruit of Monument. Nope, that's not the one I was looking for. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Here's the one I was looking for. So I'm digging around through the audio this morning. Here's Tyler Franson with Wildcats coach Jeff Johnson. Coach Jeff Johnson is with us here, the Fruit of Monument Wildcats head coach, getting his first playoff win as head coach of the Wildcats. That's got to feel pretty special. Well, it feels, uh, feels really great considering uh, we had our chance at league title on Saturday. Um, and, and we didn't play the complete game down there, uh, but uh, we played a complete game today, and uh, we're playing on, and, uh, you know, that's what we want to do, especially when it's one and done, if you don't win. And uh, your team tonight, like you said, playing a complete game out there. Let's talk about your defensive effort there, your team able to not only get rebounds and, uh, and generate uh, defensively, so create some opportunities off turnovers. Your team also doing really well at the free throw line tonight, drawing those fouls. Yeah, um, I one of our big keys was uh, getting to the free throw line and making our free throws. Um, I think before those last three or four that we made, we missed four in a row or something like that. Um, but uh, we made them when they were clutch. Uh, I ties the game. Um, and that's what we want to do is put the game away at the free throw line. Clutch is one way to put it, especially with free throws at the very end there. Liv Campbell to put your team up by four. She had 20 points tonight. When Liv Campbell has a good night, your team has a good night. Is that fair to say? Uh, it's fair to say. Um, and when when uh, we are sharing the ball, I mean, there's a couple times where they had the press out there, and I, I don't think we dribbled the ball more than once. And we got, I guess, the dribble would bound the bounce pass for a couple layups. Um, and so we broke their press to kind of get our, uh, some easy looks without having to set up an offense in the half court. Addison Ayer tonight. I want to talk about her performance as well. She had 13 for you as well. Addison Ayer's performance, what did you see from her tonight? Uh, a big, big step up. Um, I, I think she would admit that she didn't have a very good game at Durango, and she wanted to prove everybody wrong that that she's a great player for us, and she wanted to come out and prove everybody wrong. So as it stands in the bracket, you guys will face the winner of either Doherty or Rocky Mountain, and I know you probably haven't gotten a chance to figure out which which is which yet, and that's okay because you still have a little bit of time here. But what's the message to your team after a win tonight as you get ready for the next round? Uh, we got a few hours left in the day to enjoy this win. Um, you know, like we said, we want to get a home game uh, and then uh, protect our home court and uh, see where the ball lands. And if we got to travel, we got to travel. We've done it all year. Um, so that won't be a problem for us going down to the Springs or if uh, they come up here and come to our house. All right, that's Jeff Johnson, coach of the Fruit of Monument Girls, and they will be on the road. They'll play at Doherty. Uh, Doherty defeated Rocky Mountain 75-62 to last night. You also have the Central Girls basketball team opening up the 5A state tournament. They were on the road at Centaurus. Uh, unfortunately for uh, Mary Doan and the Warrior Girls, they lose 43-39. to They had a second quarter where they were, they were shut out in the second quarter. They got outscored 27-11 to in the first half. And uh, Christina Manzanares loved the way she had 12 points. She had two threes and was four for four from the foul line. But she also got hurt in the fourth quarter along with Allie Stilson. So uh, the, the Warriors lost a couple of players, uh, a, a big, really a key player, Christina Manzanares, in the fourth quarter. Matt Meyer, appreciated Matt uh, on the call last night with our full court coverage. Matt Meyer talked with Central Coach Mary Doan after the game. With your girls' kind of grit and being able to battle back, um, they fell behind in the second quarter. They were able to kind of scrape something together in the third. Were you happy with their ability to kind of claw back into that and make it a single-digit game? Yes, I was. Um, I would obviously like for them not to have to do that. And, you know, that's kind of plagued us this season. You know, we just have these quarters. But just get on our heels and we don't do the things we're really good at. Um, but they started attacking. And, you know, I thought we were doing really well. And then Allie, you know, Got hurt down there and made my bench shorter. And then Christina, obviously, um, trainer said she couldn't go. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. And then your your girls seem to address kind of the, the post issue. After the second quarter, they were feeding it inside. You guys made some defensive changes. You were able to lock that down a little bit more. Talk about the, the changes you guys tried to implement to, to make that work. Well, I don't think that, I mean, really the post issue in the second quarter was they just, they got some stuff off primary break. Um, but I thought they did a pretty, I did, I did a really good job on those posts. You know, they were out, they were getting shoved and they were getting held and, you know, they were already undersized. And I thought that they did an excellent job holding those kids down. Uh, and the, the, the core of the scoring is the junior, but there's there's seniors up and down the lineup who have contributed to this team. How much do these seniors mean to this group, and what kind of legacy are they going to leave? Oh, they mean a lot. They mean a lot to us. Alex is a four-year 
um, letter winner for us. She's you know three-time all-conference kid. Um, Bailey has been Bailey and Lily Liana. Um, they've been playing varsity since their freshman year, and they've they've been with us through you know getting over all those humps and kind of taking us to the next level. You know they're part of that elite eight team. Um, they're part of that you know obviously the twenty and five sweet sixteen team last year, and this year wasn't what we wanted to be, but those those seniors. Um, they are just kind of the heart, and we got to find a new way to define ourselves next year. All right, that's Mary Doan with Matt Meyer from last night's uh, Central game at Centaurus. Uh, elsewhere in 5A, Montrose girls basketball team, they beat Mesa Ridge 46-31. to Briar Moss had a big game, and 20, uh, 20 points uh, for Briar Moss, uh, 9 points from Heather Power last night as Montrose uh, moves on to face Roosevelt coming up this weekend. Also, we have a boys high school basketball. Once again, we have full court coverage tonight, 1100 KNZZ 545 pregame. Fordham Monument hosting Fairview. Central host Palmer tonight. Montrose boys, they host Harrison tonight. Pregame at 645 on the Monkey, 93.5 in Montrose. And the Delta boys, they play tonight at Kent Denver at 530. You can hear that game by going to 957themonkey.com. Click on the Highway 50 Game of the Week link and you can listen to Mark Cantor with the call on that one. For Colorado Mesa's basketball teams, some good news for the Maverick women. Freshman Olivia Reed is the RMAC uh, Defensive Player of the Week. She averaged 21.17 rebounds and two blocks per game in wins over New Mexico Highlands and CSU Pueblo. Both Maverick basketball teams in action tonight against Westminster. Pre-game for that starts at 5.15 for the women. They tip it at 5.30 men at 7.30. Remember, Westminster into the Maverick men's 10-game winning streak here uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, we'll have both those games tonight right here on the team. CMU Sports Network brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Connor McGahee coming up in just a moment. Let's quickly jump into... We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, so Terry Francona, your guy, Tito. Yes. Entering his 11th season as the manager of the Guardians, which is hard to believe he's been there that long. 11th year? Ooh. Yeah. 32nd year in the dugout. And so he's been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Seen everything. He's won a World, he's won World Series. He's, done, yep. he's been there and done that. But he still gets nervous for the annual team speech. He gave his annual team speech. He was so nervous he was drenched in sweat. He declined dinner with coaches last night so he could make edits. He made pasta, but it didn't fully cook. And it broke his tooth. He arrived at camp at 3.30 in the morning and spilled coffee all over the speech. Rough day. Man, for your guy, Terry Francona. Yeah, did did his scooter also break down too? Did Kevin Cash work it out there for BP again, like they did when the? I'm, I don't know. Man, what? Here's another one. It's involving one of your favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Am I stealing some of these from you? No, not at all. I don't have mine yet. Okay. Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud said he started getting messages from angry Ohio State fans on Venmo, which is to exchange money. He said, for me and my teammates being at Ohio State, if you have social media or any type of technology, Ohio State fans have it. He was on uh, the Jim Rome show. Yep. I don't have social media during the season. I was getting DMs on Venmo, the money after fans telling me to play better. It comes to the territory. It was insane. At the end of the day, it comes to the territory. I learned so much from it. So he had people ripping him on Venmo. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Ohio State fans, the... The large majority of whom are pretty chill. But the people who... They're my fans, so I can say this. The people who don't wake up every morning and go to work, they're, uh, a, they're lot a little of time. bit insane. A little hard time yeah. to be that way. They're a little Crazy. bit insane. Uh, third down, A.J. Brown, Eagles wide receivers, kind of backed himself into a corner with the telling the Eagles, essentially, extend Jalen Hurts or trade me because I go where Jalen Hurts goes. That's... Ooh, that's... That's not smart. It's not a good bargaining nah, way to go don't, there. Don't do that. Also, there was a uh, Taiwan Basketball League game the other night, yeah. and a brawl erupted, including coaches throwing punches at players. Uh, yeah. There you go. Sounds like a Get some. Mesa intramural basketball game I yeah. participated in one time. The only time I've ever been like in a brawl, an actual mm-hmm. brawl. Go to it was crazy. Go to Taiwan's and those dudes will start <laughs> throwing hands. Just part of the entertainment. Yep. All right. Coming up next, Connor McGahee. This hour brought to you by Preston Lee, a country financially believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat 
Let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. They're a lot of fun. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahee, on the team. With us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, the radio voice of the avalanche, Connor McGahee. Connor, how you doing, man? I'm uh, cold. Cold? How are you? Um, Cold-ish. It's a little chilly yeah. over here, but it's not not bad. The studio's okay. It's uh, yeah, it's fairly warm. That's not too bad, yeah. but yeah. Winter needs ec- extra attention this year. I feel like. <laughs> so, are you outside or something? Why? Why is Connor? No, Gay I'm just. It, yeah, I'm just looking outside, and it's, it looks cold. Winter, yeah, and it makes exactly. you feel I'm cold. Ready for spring? I we were complaining about wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Good time to complain about this. We we're there complaining we about it. Earlier. I didn't have anything the past couple of weeks, so here we go. <laughs> Well, that's my whining for today. That's fine because well, you finally get some time off. You and the Avalanche. What seven games in twelve days? Uh, that's uh, that's a lot of hockey, my friend. Yeah, and it's about to uh, get busy again because uh, the Avs. I was just about to send this out, but uh, the Avs have played the fewest games in the NHL at fifty-five. Um, I mean, take the Florida Panthers for example; they played sixty. Uh, so. Uh, it's been busy, and you have this weird time off, and it's it's about to be crazy. I mean, basically, starting starting Friday in Winnipeg, you have almost every other day. I know you have two days in between Jersey and at Dallas next week, but uh, yeah, it's we're not even close to being done with the back to backs on the schedule. Uh, but I, I also think that from a player's perspective, every other day uh, is a good thing. That's where you want to be, and that's. That's the rhythm that we're looking for. So, yeah, this, this week is a, a strange week to have off, but sort of. I mean, uh, but it's it's about to get uh, it's about to get real, as as they say, coming up. Absolutely. So, how does Connor McGahey spend what four four days off? What do you do? Well, I actually went to practice yesterday, and uh, and it, which was good, very informative uh, when it came to. Jared Bednar and and the details on concussion protocol and and got to to watch practice and honestly everyone was smiling laughing having a great time it was a it was a good day on the ice um, and then if it were a nicer day you know but uh, we're here's my warning again it's the snowstorm <laughs> uh, you know I'm I'll just be inside and probably just doing chores the whole time which needs to be done to be honest because we're uh, we're on the road we have games plenty so just uh, checking things off the list is and, uh, and we'll fly to Winnipeg tomorrow one game uh, north of the border and then come back for uh, for Calgary on Saturday so you you look at the the week and you say hey I got plenty of time to do stuff and then you, <laughs> you realize that it, really it dissolves away pretty quick yeah yeah do you have a line to the league office about this scheduling? 10 days off for the All-Star break, which I get a week, but 10 days. And then you play seven games in 12 days, including home, then road, back-to-backs, or vice versa. Now you have another five days off. Do you have a line to – who did Joe Sackick make mad with the winning of the Cup last year? That's the, that's the thing. Joe Sackick makes nobody angry. Um, what I thought. He's <laughs> too good of a guy. The one, thing, yeah. the one thing I found out, though, is that every team you talk to has the same complaint about their schedule. So it's not just the ads. Like if you talk to, uh, like Detroit was just on the road for almost two weeks. The LA Kings uh, uh, are about to be on a five-game road trip, and they're gone for almost ten days. Um, and, and then they they come home and, and and have a stretch. Vegas, for example, they had a one-off road trip in Chicago last night, and they'll go back home. And then they have a one-off road trip to come see us on Monday. So what I found is is that no matter who you talk to around the league, everyone has their complaints about their schedule. No one's like, you know what? It's been great. This was this was perfect three game road trip here, back home for three days off in between, no back to backs like that. That conversation never happens. So I don't know if it's uh, other events and buildings that are that are complicating things or what. Just the season, but. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been as as strange as I ever have recalled um, in working in and around the NHL all these years. 
Avs Radio Voice, Connor McGahey with us on the Team Sports Network. You mentioned at practice the discussion about the league's concussion protocol. This pertains, of course, to uh, your defending Norris and Con Smythe winner, Kale McCarr, who is listed day-to-day. He's in the concussion protocol. And the, the part of the discussion, I caught some of the uh, interview that, uh, that Moj and the guys did and, and Vic with, uh, with Jared Bednar about this. And some questions have come up about the concussion protocol and whether Kale should have uh, played it all in the St. Louis game, arrived Sunday to play against Edmonton, had pressure in his, his head, had a headache, and, and he was shut down for Sunday's game. But just kind of take us through this a little bit because this has brought up some questions about the league and how they handle uh, the concussion protocol. Yeah, and, and I think there's so much science and research that goes into it nowadays with with really, I, I would say, the three sports that have the most head contact. That's football, soccer, and hockey. And it, this isn't years ago, and even Jared Bednar was honest to Kyle Fredrickson at the Denver Gazette yesterday. He said, yeah, I probably had concussions and played through them, and that's how it was. That's what you did. I mean, especially nowadays, leagues have professionals who research this who know who 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 take all that data and it's tough to make it's tough to make decisions and rules for everybody when everybody reacts differently to it right and so all you can do in the in the in the immediate moment is is assess and 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 see if any of those symptoms are there if they're not you can continue and and that's the thing you that you can't just pull a player. I mean, you could, but I, I, I think that there's enough there to support that, you know, some contact is is not going to lead to concussion-like symptoms, and sometimes it does, and sometimes they're delayed. Kale clearly is one of those people who has delayed reactions when that happens, and as soon as they come up, that's when you pull them out of activities. And um, I, I don't think that anybody involved in any of these processes from the NHL on down to the team's uh, individual um, are in the mindset of rushing players back just to to gain an advantage or have them on the ice. I, I think that everyone to a man has said that player safety is first and that they, they have these rules in place. Take the seven-day protocol, for example. Seven days with the baseline test that you have to do every day <clears throat> and if you pass those, then you're allowed to do that day's activities. So to start off, if you pass those baseline tests, you don't have any of those symptoms, then you can exercise. Same for another day. And as long as those symptoms stay away, then you can advance to on the ice by yourself, non-contact. If you continue to have no symptoms, the next day is on the ice, no contact with the group. No symptoms, next day on the ice, contact with the group and then you could be cleared to play after that. And I think they've found that that seven days is enough to um, to really decide if the body is, is reacting to the concussion or not. And, and that's where I think that people just automatically assume that you're trying to get players back into play. I, I honestly think that there's, especially now in 2023, there's been just more research and thought into this than we we automatically think, and it's, it's, it, it has to be balanced. And, again, it's hard to make rules um, for something that everybody reacts differently to. But I think the one thing that medical professionals have, have come to is that that week's time, is, is especially if you don't have any of those symptoms in between, is enough to decide it, how your body is reacting to, to the previous head contact. Connor McGahee with us today on the Team Sports Network. And, and I think in the case of the Avalanche, you go just go back to last year with Bo Byram and how he mm-hmm. dealt with concussion symptoms for, for a good chunk of the season, and there wasn't the, the rush to get him back. They wanted him to, to be healthy, to be right. And so if there's somebody complaining about the avalanche and how they handled the situation with Kale McCarr, I think you, you go back to last year where they, they obviously handled mm-hmm. that the right way. Yeah, 100%, Jimmy, 100%. And I think that from everybody in that room to – I mean on up and and that's something that everybody agrees on is that even if you trust the player and you know they they encourage honesty because they said hey there's no pressure from us for you to come back priority is while it's nice to to win priority is a player's health full stop end of story and that's why 
they, they, they would tell their players, hey, we don't want you to hide anything. We, we need you and would like you to be 100% honest with your symptoms, and that's what allows them to, to make the best decision and the best timetable for the player. And there's, there's never any rush to get anybody back from any kind of injury, especially when it comes uh, to the head. One final thing, Connor. Uh, Jared Bednar did talk about uh, Gabriel Landeskog. He's he's back skating once again, and said that there's not a timetable for Landy's return, but it's just another step in the process of of getting him back on the ice. Yeah, and I think he was in the gym again yesterday. He uh, he was leaving as as practice was going on. He he stopped in the corner and and had his his bag and and. Uh, and his hat on, it was just up against the glass in the corner watching his teammates practice for about for about five to eight minutes. And he was in the building the other day versus Edmonton. And uh, everyone said, uh, again, 100% uh, <laughs> same reaction that, hey, it was good to have Landy back in the room because he just has this effect on a group that is calming, um, that is easy, and then that's why he's the captain. So to just have him around the facilities is is a huge step in the direction for the group and to have him work out and then go on the ice and and do his recovery at at the pace that he needs to is is a good thing now he's been very diligent and good about trying to keep up that that muscle mass in the gym with his workouts off the ice and anytime that you put on the pads and the skates and you get out there even if it's by yourself that is a huge step in the right direction for your recovery so that's uh that's even though we don't have a scheduled return, um, that is a that's a big milestone this week for Gabe Landis Scott. Hey Connor, always appreciate it. Enjoy what little time you have left off, and uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. I always appreciate the time. I'll enjoy minus nine in Winnipeg tomorrow as well. <laughs> See, you got deep. They're you complaining about the cold again. Now that's a real legitimate reason to complain. Minus nine, yikes! That's. We don't, tough, we, we don't have one. Yeah. Uh, dress warmly, my friend. Dress warmly. I okay. will. All right, take care. Thanks, Connor. See you, boys. All right, Connor McGay, radio voice of the Avalanche. All right, going to uh, nine below Winnipeg coming up uh, for Friday's game with uh, the Avalanche and the Jets. All right, Jim Loth, the Buckeye boy today. Next hour, we'll talk with uh, the Rams play-by-play voice. Brian Roth will join us. Also, Jake Aguirre. Fruit of Monmouth Boys basketball coach. Wildcats uh, open up the 6A postseason tonight when uh, they take on Fairview, uh, part of our full-court coverage. So that's coming up uh, next hour in the program. Still a chance to win a bottle of wine today. If you've got something you want to complain about, get it off your chest. Text or call us. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. That's 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Hour 3 on the Team Sports Network online at the team1340.com.